0: So you're probably wondering what I'm doing up here. So am I. <laughs> uh, Tim asked me to speak and I said yes, but I didn't know what, quite what I was letting myself in for because then I discovered it's John 3:16 and 17, and wow, what a subject to speak on. So I begin with these two very well-known verses, full of both big words and little words and I'm going to read them slowly in a couple of translations and just wonder which words really stand out for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. This is how much God loved the world. He gave his Son, his one and only Son, and this is why so that no one need be destroyed. By believing in him, anyone can have a whole and lasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point an accusing finger, telling the world how bad it was. He came to put the world right again We've been going through a series of the good news and now reach this culmination of the, go- the gospel of good news that God so loves the world, loves us, loves you and me that he will sacrifice his one and only son so that we will not perish but have eternal life. I didn't get past the first few words, so I'm gonna concentrate on the world, God, and love, but obviously with reference to the whole. Um, I'm wondering if we could have up the first image. So God so loved the world. I understand that as everything that has been created because I believe that God created the world and everything in it and loves all that he has made. Julian of Norwich, who was an anchoress and writer in the Middle Ages, wrote this. She was contemplating like a a little hazelnut or a little thing, a little created thing. In this little thing, I saw three truths. The first is that God made it. The second is that God loves it. The third is that God looks after it. This little thing appears small and insignificant, yet God loves it. God's love is for the whole of creation. So there's an understanding here that there is a God who is a creator. God the Father, the creator, is the source of love. A loving God. A God whose name and nature is love. And he has a son, Jesus, who shows us the way of the Father's love. And at Christmas, we we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. And we see what God's love looks like in human form so that we may and know and understand and not perish. And you can see I've not been to theological college (laughs) because I kind of, I find it hard to communicate some of that. Um, But what I do know and what I have come to understand and I have learned is that Jesus' love is radical It's limitless, it's inclusive, it's restorative, and it's transforming. Jesus' love goes beyond the margins of society. It goes and challenges cultural expectations. It even challenges the law. Jesus' love is particularly good news for women. We see that in the Bible when he encounters the bleeding woman, the Samaritan woman at the well, Mary of Magdalene, the woman caught in adultery. His love does not condemn, but heals, forgives, restores, and redeems. For those whose jobs and lifestyles people disapprove of, like Zacchaeus, those who are beyond human decency, like the demon possessed man in Gazetheret, the outcasts, such as the lepers, and beggars, the blind man. None of them are beyond Jesus' loving, caring, transforming gaze. They are all, all touched by his love. <clears throat> Could I have up the next image? That The Salvador Dali is a really powerful image for me because I encountered it in a museum in Glasgow years ago before I was a Christian, and it stayed with me. I just find it a really, really powerful image. But I came to know and understand what that image is about. This image communicates that this love, this God love, functions within a community of the Trinity, which is one of mutual appreciation and affirmation. God the Father acknowledges Son, my Son with whom I am well pleased, the Son who he sacrifices, the Son who he sends for us. And then the Son acknowledges he cannot do anything without the Father. And then the Son says, but wow, wait till you meet the Holy Spirit, the paraclete, the helper, the one who comes with transforming power. The context of the passage is Nicodemus coming to Jesus and him explaining about the need to be born again, to be born of the Spirit. And I think that's because we need the Spirit to see and understand and receive God's love. So God's love is also good news for those who are in powerful positions like Nicodemus. But his coming in the cover of darkness, fearful of being caught or seen talking to Jesus, reminds us that following Jesus is costly. It can cost reputations, livelihoods, even life. So what is it that Nicodemus has seen in Jesus that compels him to the point of risking his reputation? He is being drawn by Jesus to sit at the table. And we, you, me, everyone, without exception, are invited to sit at the table to take our place. There's a place at this table. Can you see it? I wonder if you can picture yourself there in the loving embrace of the Trinity hearing their words of love and affirmation over you. So in the same way that I said yes to Tim to preaching, without really knowing what that meant, I also said yes to God 31 years ago. My yes was just responding to the yes that God had already spoken over me. I saw that love in one of his followers, that radical transforming love, and I was curious I wanted to know more. I took my place at the table. Although inevitably feeling guilty of dust and sin, just like in George Herbert's poem, love bade me welcome, yet I drew back guilty of dust and sin. But quick-eyed love is always looking out for us to draw us in and to draw us closer. In Mark twelve thirty thirty one, 31, Jesus sums up the commandments in this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Yet I know my love is limited, and at times just not there. Wesley's words echo my thoughts. Kindle a flame of sacred love on the mean altar of my heart. We feel unworthy, we stray, we feel ineffectual, and at times we mess up. And I think some of us struggle with this commandment to love our neighbor because we don't know how to love ourselves. Do we dare to go to the margins of ourselves to bring the unlovely, ugly, hidden, shadowy parts of ourselves to Jesus for his transforming love? Or do we try and cover it over, hide it, and pretend it's not there? Tim shared last week about being touched by the love of God on hearing Floyd McClung preaching on the Father heart of God. We need to go on learning more and more of the depths of God's love and allow it to transform us moment by moment through acceptance, acknowledgement of it, and gratitude of it. I mean, this is such a massive subject. I feel like it's hard to communicate. And so how do I do it? How do... How how have I encountered God's love? I've I've hung out with VIPs, very inspiring people, (laughs) and VLPs, very loving people. (laughs) Um, I've spent time in God's Word. I've learned about his love through his Word and through Jesus. I've, I've, I've hung out in books of other people's words that tell me about God's love and learned, finally, to listen to that inner voice of love. I I was invited to take my place and to listen to that trinity on a retreat one time, and instead of hearing what what I've learned to call the shitty committee, those negative words that quite often are my narrative, listening to the words of affirmation and love while I was preparing this, I had a couple of songs playing in my head. One was Tina Turner, What's love got to do with it? What's love but a second-hand emotion? What's love got to do with it? Who needs a heart when a heart can be broken? I wonder if for some of us, it's that song that plays in our heads because our hearts have been broken and that we've not encountered enough of love in our lives and have judged love from the world's perspective, not God's. Some of us are in need of open heart surgery, maybe professional help. We might have hardened our hearts, let them grow hard and cold through disappointment and hurt. It said, the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. In Ezekiel 36:26 God says, "I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you a heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh." And we need hearts that are softened and yielding and pulsing with God's love for the world. God's love, if we allow it, transforms us more and more into the likeness of his Son so that we too may act as agents of this transformational love in our world. To love at the margins, in the mess and the dirt. To love the lovely, unlovely, and the unlovable. And God's love is sustaining For in Christ we live and move and have our being. I need to keep returning again and again to God's love. And as my good friend Mary Godfrey reminds me, it's a lifetime's work. So can I encourage us to find whatever it is that will help us to know more of God's love? I'm just gonna go off script a moment and share that um, a number of years ago, I was really struggling with, my mum was ill, I lost my job, I was made redundant, and my marriage had completely collapsed. And I just felt that I was at sea in my little coracle, and I just held on and held on and I held on. And I know that God's love was what carried me through that time. I never doubted his love. I never doubted that in the end all should be well. I just held on to those promises and on to that love. And in the following season, which was a season of deep grief and deep loss, again I held on. I kept returning to his love. I never, ever doubted his love in that period. So I know God's love. And it sustained me and it held me through the fiercest drought and the darkest storm. The other song I had going around my head was What the world needs now is love, sweet love. I so want to sing this. I'm with you, Kirsty. <laughs> it's the only thing that there's just too little of. What the world needs now is love, sweet love not just for some, but for everyone. Therefore, brothers and sisters, let us learn how to be loved by God. In turn, love one another and go to the margins of the world with that love. For love casts out all fear and covers a multitude of sins. Let's celebrate that love and praise God that he indeed is love And I just finished with the words of one other song, sorry. This is, I am finishing. This is also found in Celtic daily prayer. When I look at the blood, all I see is love, love, love. When I stop at the cross, I can see the love of God. But I can't see competition, I can't see hierarchy. I can't see pride or prejudice or the abuse of authority. I can't see lust for power. I can't see manipulation. I can't see rage or anger or selfish ambition. When I look at the blood all I see is love, love, love. When I stop at the cross I can see the love of God.